our only way to connect with our prospects, with our customers is through social, right? We have to be able to communicate to them. We have to be able to get our point of view and our differentiation out to those those groups. And and realistically, the the distance between sales and marketing is shorter than ever. As we begin to move from, hey, we have a prospect and that prospect now is interested in talking to somebody we want to be able to qualify and move that over to sales as quickly as possible. And then also leverage those channels to drive, you know, again, our awareness and help increase the sales cycle, right? Increase the, the, the time from interest to sale. So, you know, when we look at all of that from a social perspective, to me, it's the new frontier. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast. Featuring the top voices in sales and marketing. Join hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick as they discuss the best tips and strategies they are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here are your hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick. Hey, welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bill McCormick. I'm Bryn Tillman. So Bryn, who's joining us today? So I'm so excited about this guest. So this is actually a personal friend, and I'm going to go back to how I know John Kunzier, who I'm going to introduce in a moment. But about 18 and a half years ago, I was pregnant with twins and being monitored next to John's wife, Liz, who was pregnant with twins and being monitored. And so we had babies pretty much together and in the NICU together. And um, we've been friends ever since. And our kids are friends. So like they, they, they are good friends now. So it's really fun. But that's not why John's here. John is here because um, not, he's not just my buddy, but he was the CMO. Uh, he was a, a, a marketing leader in a Fortune 500 company, a CMO of another huge company that I was fortunate enough that he brought me in to, to do a little bit of work. And he has just launched his own agency. And I'm so excited. John, welcome. Thank you, Bryn. It is awesome to see you as always. Um, and that's, I can't believe it's 18 and a half years, but I guess the kids are that old at this point. And going off to college and doing all the fun stuff that they're going to be doing. So uh, where did time go? And where did my hair go, I guess? I, well, who knows? It's so funny. So tell everyone a little bit about your agency and what you're up to. Um, so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm building an agency that is really designed to help organizations uh, better their operations um, and simplify the way that they actually do marketing. One of the biggest challenges that many organizations uh, have is that they they try to build marketing themselves and don't necessarily have all the resources and all the capabilities. And marketing, as we all know, is getting a little more complicated with all of the data, all of the technology behind it. And what we're trying to do is help those organizations, small to medium-sized organizations with experts, expertise, and the technology to actually implement high-level marketing programs that are really focused or are done today by a very large organization. So that's what we're trying to accomplish. That's our goal. We're trying to help uh, smaller organizations, mid-sized organizations really do a, do a better job of marketing, do a good job of really getting their message out. 
that's fantastic. So, so we we normally have a, a I think a heavier um, appearance of salespeople and sales trainers. So it's great to have a marketer on. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of go down that road today. And being Bryn and I um, between us, we may have one marketing bone in our body together. Um, heavy on the sales side. So there's gonna be some pushback for sure. So John. What, the question that every guest has asked, first question out of the box is, what does making sales social mean to you? Well, you know, when we look at um, the dynamic that we have today, especially in the last year with COVID, is that our only way in the, in the last third, 365 days to connect with our prospects, with our customers, is through social, right? We have to be able to communicate to them. We have to be able to get our point of view and our differentiation out to those those groups and and realistically the the distance between sales and marketing is shorter than ever right it, as we begin to move from hey we have a prospect and that prospect now is interested in talking to somebody we want to be able to qualify and move that over to sales as quickly as possible and then also leverage those channels to drive you know again our awareness and help increase the sales cycle Right, increase the, the the time from interest to sale. So, you know, when we look at all of that from a social perspective, to me, it's the new frontier compared to, yes, we've been doing email and we still have to do email um, as part of the marketing activities, but social is becoming more and more part of what we do uh, throughout that process. And salespeople uh, need to be engaged in that. You know, going back to here, we have a lot of salespeople. They need to be on social media. You can't say, well, that's for somebody else. They have to be on it. So one of the things I, you know, I heard a little is, well, and I we hear a lot is the separation between marketing and sales, the kind of the, the how they're siloed. And you mentioned some, something about uh, making that a shorter kind of bridge. Were you going to say something to that, Bill? I was going to say the chasm between <laughs> between sales and marketing. And so I think to your what you're saying is. How do we? How does that bridge happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the marketing side, we've asked some salespeople, but from the marketing side, how do you shorten that gap? Well, I, I think it, it. You know, any relationship starts with two willing partners, right? So when we think about the sales and marketing divide, we need to have both partners interested and available for that conversation, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, but that also starts with what's your strategy? Far too many of the activities that we have today, in my opinion, now again, there are examples that that's probably not the case. So they don't necessarily have a strategy. Somebody comes up with a good idea and says, hey, we're going to do this and let's go to marketing and we're going to run this. It doesn't really tie to our overarching strategy, not just, hey, I'm looking at getting this particular client, but I'm also looking at, I make more margin on selling this service or product and, and how do I engage that process a little better so that as we're beginning to build the strategy, the marketing program follows that strategy, right? And it gives us priorities. It gives us the way for us from a go-to-market perspective to really drive that that divide away. Because ultimately, if, we're, if we have a, a unified co- corporate strategy, right? Which sounds so simple, right? We have a unified go-to-market strategy that is for our company, uh, for our, our company, and how do we divvy it out down to 
our local territories down to our local salespeople. And those marketing programs should follow that line. And that's harder said than done. I'm going to tell you that that is something that is uh, an area of focus that most organizations should be looking at because realistically, um, an organization without a go-to-market strategy is like a ship without a rudder, right? You're just kind of drifting away and you may go the right direction or you may not, right? Um, and that's an area where, where I, you know, again, that's how I look at it as how to eliminate that particular divide. So, you know, it's interesting because the go-to-market strategy, I agree, is, is critical. A lot of people don't know where to begin. Mm. So if you were to say, okay, here's a company that's sort of been random acts of marketing, and you, you realize, where do you begin? How do you start to think? And I know as, you know, you're, as an agency, you're going to help companies do this, but where would you start the conversation? How do you start them to think in the right direction? Well, it, it, it's funny that, you know, we think about marketing and this kind of conversation, you start with the numbers, right? You start with where do you see the growth in your organization? Where do you see your revenue being generated that's profitable? Mm -hmm. And between those two elements, right? And do we have a differentiation in that? You begin to look at those elements and say, this is what, if I, if I could wave a magic wand, this is where we want to be, right? I literally had, uh, I had a conversation with my neighbor who is a very small business. And he's like, John, here's the problem I have. And I asked him that simple question. If you could change your business today, what would it look like? And what would you be doing? And, and the answer was, I'd be doing X. Mm -hmm. I'm doing Y right now. I'd be doing X. Mm -hmm. The answer is, how do I get from X or from Y to X, right? Mm -hmm. How do I make that switch? Knowing that we still have to keep the lights on and do all of that. Mm -hmm. So when we begin to build the, the, that go-to-market strategy, mm -hmm. create, ask those simple questions, right? Where do you want to be? Where do you make your money? How do I drive that? And if I could make more money, how would that change the business? And how do I then begin that top of the funnel conversation? How do I begin to build the awareness around those elements? How do I begin to align my salespeople with the appropriate messaging around that and slowly begin to turn the ship to that, those items, right? Then all of a sudden, if everybody's going that, that same direction, right? It's very easy for marketing and sales to have the same conversation. It's usually when marketing is going one direction and salespeople are going another one where that divide kind of comes into play. And it's amazing how much, how prevalent that divide is because lots of organizations don't necessarily do a good job of, not, it may create a good strategy, but not an operational strategy. How do I get it to the point where we can operationalize those components into creating that executable go-to-market that sales and marketing are aligned? Now that sounds very theoretical, but in, in practice, it's very simple, right? Think about it as a team, whether you're a basketball team, a soccer team, a volleyball team, a, you know, a swimming team, whatever. If you don't have everybody on the same page with the play, it's not going to work. And really, that's what it is. What is the play you're going to run for this quarter, this year? And how do we monitor whether it's going to be successful? And, and I think it it's, has to really all come down to communication right, right from the start, because as you were talking and, and I was thinking, okay, so you're going to go from Y to X and you're going to make that switch, that switch. There's probably going to be a lag in revenue and a, because you're making a change. So for the marketers, 
okay, they're making a change. They're happy with it. I'm a salesperson. If, if it's going to affect my bottom line, that's probably where the, where the, the friction is going to come in because you want to go this way and I want to go that way because the money is that way right now. So talk a little bit about, about the, the, the communication process. How early should that start between sales and marketing? And how do you, how do you make those conversations start to get everyone on that same page to follow the head coach? Sort of yeah. Yeah. Alignment. That's the word I was like. Well, it is. It becomes an alignment between sales and marketing. It becomes an alignment with those right, those two different partners, right, that have to be in agreement. Um, and then it becomes a unified message. And then there's an, another part of this, right? So we're communicating, we're doing all of that, we're reinforcing it. Whenever you go a new direction, everyone always looks at the negative. Oh, I might lose this, I might do this. There are un unintended consequences for anything. And those consequences don't always have to be negative. So, you know, the, the interesting part, um, back in the day, I, I used to be, I, I was a product manager 20, 15 years ago. I'm not going to say 20 because, uh, yeah, it makes me old. You know, I feel old, you know, as, as we go forward, right? So I would always have people say, you know, these small feature requests, uh, my biggest clients want these small things. And I would look at them and say, but what about the high value things? Have you asked them about that, right? And what we find is when we start to move ourselves to higher value activities, our clients also see their higher value, mm -hmm. right? And all of a sudden they're going, well, I'm so glad that you talked to me about this because we're very interested in this piece. We've been doing this with you forever. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you did this, right? Because we tend to, you know, we tend to build a relationship and then all of a sudden that's all we do for somebody. And we never really bring that out. So again, this is an opportunity for you to grow within a client. And it doesn't mean that your revenue is going to go down. It may be that you are doubling down on the revenue that you're generating. So when, again, when we begin to think about that, these are all the risks that when you put the message together, how do you bridge that gap? And how do I, how do I begin to communicate to that client and how we can add on to the things that we do and the impact of the new thing that we were delivering for them, right? So... So again, it's always not to say that I always want to look at the glass half full, but the glass is is, is half full because we can make it half full, mm -hmm. and that differentiation and that value is ours to define and mm -hmm. drive. And what I heard early on in this was to identify the profitable things. So we can yeah. do a lot of uh, growing business with things with small margins, and so a, a sales rep might get commission on the whole piece, but is it what's in the best interest of the company? And, and so I think kind of aligning the what's in the best interest of the company ultimately will line everybody's pockets, I would think appropriately as that grows. Well, I was just going to say, and, and whether the glass is half full or half empty, we know where the water, where the water spout is we can go get more water. Like, I love that. Exactly. There's, there's business out there to be had, no matter what industry you're in. We sometimes get laser focused and tunnel vision, especially in the con in the context of the conversation we're having now about maybe switching directions and going in a new new direction. And like you said, we, we focus on the collateral damage. I, I learned a new word recently. Of, Let's focus on the collateral goodness because there's always collateral goodness also. 
So, so I, I love that. I love that. So good stuff. I'd like to just take a quick little pivot because originally when we talked, I was so excited to talk about the topic of AI and marketing and sales. So I would love before we kind of wrap this up to just kind of hear a little bit about where you see AI playing in marketing and sales over the next, you know, six months, years, five years, what does that look like to you? Um, so that's, uh, that, to me, that's a, a really cool part of what we do, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm actually, it's probably going to, you know, well, I'm writing a blog about this and how much data science is taking over what we do in marketing, right? When we think about marketing, right, we think about the creative aspects and the brochures and the webcasts and all that. There's so much data that we look at. Um, so for example, uh, it, we would do an email campaign, right? And we, I have to give our prospects and clients credit. They're really smart. They figured out that if I don't click on it, I can read it in the preview pane on my browser and it doesn't trigger anything. So nobody will call me. And what I will do is literally look at that and then I will go to their website and either I'll manually, I'll cut and paste it or, or I'll manually put it in and I'll go look. And what we were doing was we would actually look at those destinations. We would see who's coming. We were using insight tools that would allow us to also see who else they were looking at um, and begin to do additional targeting, right? So for example, we would do social advertising to them via LinkedIn. Um, we would do general uh, digital advertising using Google. And, and so the next time that they're on online, they see an ad for us, right? Um, and what we, as we kind of began to look at that, uh, all of the intelligence that we were doing, and this was not done by AI, this was done by people. Uh, and we then, we literally in uh, a matter of a few months doubled our um, participation in our virtual events um, across the board in, in using this targeting method. In the future, I see this as an AI activity, right? We're gonna be able to put our parameters in, we're gonna be able to track and monitor, we're gonna be able to know where you are uh, and apply additional data to it. So for example, um, there are um, tools out there and people have probably heard geofencing, right? For those who don't know what geofencing is, I go to a, a retail store, a competitive retail store can send an ad because I know that you went to my competitor's location, right? There's a new thing, uh, which is really about retargeting called geoframing, which allows me to not only look at it as a one-time activity, but over time. It also allows me to apply AI to it, allows me to um, really begin to put other data against it. And it's going to allow us to expand, truly expand the capabilities so that we can truly target uh, our buyers. It's a little creepy in spots, but it allows us to really get to that, that message. And again, going back to you know what you were saying, right? Spreading goodness. Imagine being a person at home, a big storm comes through and you get a hole in your roof, the roof gets ripped off. Um, you don't know what to do. How do I manage it? Imagine being a roofing company, being able to target where that storm went and sending their messaging directly to them to help them get back to normal faster. Again, going back to the goodness that we can provide. Yes, you can say, oh, that's weird. That's whatever. But imagine being able to say, I can get these people up faster, right? And back to normal faster. So again, these are capabilities and opportunities that we as marketers we have to think about it like a data scientist, uh, more so than what we traditionally do is just saying, I have a segment, I'm going to go after it. 
we really need to create those hypotheses and really think about it. So over the, you know, again, the next five years, we are going to have AI enabled tools that are going to allow us to do X, Y, and Z. Um, know that more than likely the, the laws and regulations across the globe are going to change um, and restrict some of that, that access that we have today as people begin to use it and abuse it. But we know that there are opportunities from here, from now on, that we should be thinking about, can I do that with a bot? Can I do that with AI? How do I integrate all that data together? And can I hyper-target those individuals because, you know, I can drive my, my advertising dollars down, my cost of acquisition down. Uh, I can give better data to my salespeople, more timely data, um, and really provide them the, the a lead that is better qualified um, using AI and, that, and that, that, those technologies. Do you see that play with B2B as much as retail? I see it more because today it's, it's obvious what we do with with B2C, right? With retail, we, we have ideas of we can do X and we can do Y. I'm capturing your activity or transactions. Our biggest challenge is we can't get the buyers, right? Um, in B2B, you try to get to a CEO, a CMO, a, a, a VP of sales, a, a CIO, whatever you're selling, it's difficult, right? To get to them. Unless you know how to use LinkedIn the right way. But. Unless you know how to use LinkedIn the right way. <laughs> Um, and, and again, understanding that, but there, again, there are, there are strategies around it that, that our C-levels use, right? They send admins who are under the radar uh, to collect information. Mm-hmm. So again, there's opportunities for us in the B2B market to, to take some of the ideas from B2C and really drive what's going on. Again, I'm a, I'm a fan of LinkedIn. Uh, one of the biggest things we did in my last position as CMO is drove a social strategy. We added 9,000 B2B followers in a year, uh, which is a 56% increase. It is the new frontier because of all the regulations. It, it, it's, it allows us to get our message directly to our buyer and segment directly from there. And again, as long as you you know follow the principles and guidelines, of that of the LinkedIn community, it's a great place to to market and sell. Yeah. So so what I what I see, Bryn, is like because John, one of our things is is to what we want to do is slow down our outreach to speed up our outcome, and that has to do with more personal messaging yeah. on a personal level. But Bryn, what what I see here is on the other side of it. Now I'm people would say I'm against automation and AI, and but what I am is I'm I'm against automation that tries to build a relationship that pretends that right that pretends. Right. I'm all for automation that shares information, and 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 that's what marketing is. That that's information that's that's getting put you out. Know, that, that's a really good differentiator. I I I, I want to make that really clear. Automation and marketing is magic. Automation and sales is not. Yeah, de- definitely, and that's where I see this AI coming in, where your your list, whether it's your LinkedIn list or it's your email list, is going to be able to fine tune, laser focused to get your message in the right hands of the right people, so that when you're doing that personal outreach, you're gonna you're gonna hit with a much higher level of credibility and a much higher level of trust because they've seen you, they've seen your message because of that hyper focus. So I love so that. This yeah. is really really good stuff. Yeah, and and, and realistically, people on uh, you know folks that are in that 
C-level, the VP level, they do want to be educated, mm -hmm. right? They want to learn something new and they want someone that's going to help them through that process. Selling is still a personal activity, right? People buy, when I first, I, I sold for 20 years and, you know, back in the day that people buy from, uh, from people they like and trust. That is still yeah. true, yeah. right? That is still true. Our mechanism and how we connect with them is different, but that's still the case, right? Be your true self, right? Um, and help people. One of the things we say, I know we're probably going over, but this is so good. So good. We could keep going. I know. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things that we say is you know, to get to know, like, and trust, you have to attract, teach, and engage. Yeah. Right. And so the, that top piece is a lot of marketing and a lot of connection, and a lot of am I getting a message that resonates and creates curiosity? And and so so to get to know, you've got to have a lot of that marketing. You've got to have that stuff that gets them to lean in and say, OK, you're worth getting to know. Yeah. And so it, that, that's that really, really top of the pipeline. But I know, uh, Bill, I will let you close it out. Yeah, so we, we would, John, this has been so good and we could go on and on and on, but uh, we are not able to. So um, just tell tell the folks how they can connect with you, find out more about what you're doing. Uh, so they can uh, they can reach out to uh, our website, which is uh, www.arial, spelled A-E-R-I-A-L, digital.agency. Um, so we're, we're leveraging the craziness on the back end of the dot stuff. Um, or you can uh, reach out to me directly at john.cunzier at Arial Digital. That agency. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This you was know, amazing. Yeah, it is so, so good. So folks, we'll put that contact information in the resources so you can download those. So John, thanks so much for being with us. And uh, until next time, don't forget to make your sales social. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.